The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Solid 7 Podcast is brought to you by Hit and Skins. Hit and Skins is Central Florida's premier custom branding company, offering high-quality custom apparel, design, signage, vehicle wraps, and much more. With over 15 years of experience, they have the expertise to take your project from concept to finished product. And their exceptional service and attention to detail mean your project will turn out just like you imagined or better. Visit hittenskins.com today. That's H-I-T-T-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. And let them get to work on the branding you deserve. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Pressing the little red button. Am I supposed to stay quiet for the intro? Uh, whatever. Like you do. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Mike Redacted, our illustrious guest this week here on the Solid 7 podcast, a better than average podcast. This guy says, am I supposed to say quiet during the intro? To which I replied, <laughs> you never do. And now you did. No, you, I, yeah. You I did this time because I'm like, I'm learning, right? How many times, <laughs> you know, there, there's this great gap between like episode like 25 or whatever. And here we are like 40 episodes later. I haven't been on, that, which to be fair, that's more me. That can't you. be but, right. Uh, I was punished. I got to behave myself. If time. you're if you're newer to the podcast, and our numbers would suggest that you're probably not, but uh, if you're newer to the podcast, uh, Mike Redacted here, a fan favorite. No, Redacted, not some odd uh, Eastern Bloc European last name. Uh, it's just what we call him. It's what uh, it's what we do. Add some mystique. Yeah, I need that. I need all. Yeah, build and, it up. And you're nothing Make if it not more interesting. Yeah, you're nothing if not <laughs> mystiquey. Has it really been that long since you've been on the pod? That can't Dude, be right. I was sitting here the other day trying to think about it, and I, the last time I remember doing it, and I don't count that really, really quick episode with uh, Sandlot Jacks. Um, oh, yeah. That, okay, yeah, that would have been the last time. But other than that, it was it was that, I think it was a bonus episode or bonus content we recorded with me and Rebecca. Wow. It, the, the Sandlot Jacks episode was such a different one. Like if you you know, listeners, if you haven't heard that one, Sandlot Jacks was the the big go ruck event last April. Uh, I won't. I'll fight my inner urge to do a massive commercial for it right now because I was such a fan of it. Uh, we're actually for Mike sure. and I both already registered again for next year. Already Solid Seven Podcast. I actually had my shirt on uh, 
to rep it. Nice. Uh, on Tuesday. Uh, but so we recorded. That was like a, a three-day-long GORUCK uh, event, many events all rolled into one long weekend, and it was a blast. But we recorded from the hotel there. Uh, with a couple other guys, Jesse the Builder, who's been on the podcast here, and uh, and our buddy Nick, and it was just an odd scenario. One, we were wiped, like we had put out so much uh, physical effort, put out put out physical effort. Want to clarify what I'm referencing there that day? And, uh, <laughs> like we, had, yeah, well, that happened later. We, what you're not referencing. We had just come up. <laughs> um, we had just come up from the pool, and uh, I, you know kindly drug you boys out of the pool that we rightly deserve to, uh, to record a podcast. Cause that's the level of dedication that I, that I have that's true. to the fans. And so that was, it was definitely a, a different episode. <laughs> so, yeah, well, absolutely. W- welcome back, sir. Glad to have you. And, back, uh, a, a little, a little different scenario this time we had planned to record uh, a couple of days ago on what would have been flag day. It seemed very appropriate. Uh, but as seems to often be the case when I'm recording with you, illness was involved. <laughs> it's yeah. And, uh, you know, it's fortunate that we ended up kicking the can down the road a bit. Uh, and that way I didn't encourage you to take another ambulance ride that you probably didn't yeah, need. <laughs> dude, no, I, I caught, I, you know, I don't know, you know, back in the, back in the day, um, you know, I'm talking like, you know, maybe 2019 or earlier, like you would get mild illness and you wouldn't have this burning desire to know what it was. You would just medicate and ride it out and then go on with yeah. life. Take, and take so I, Tylenol. I kicked it a little old school on, on Tuesday and, uh, and Wednesday, which was a subsequent day of illness. And, uh, and I just wrote it out. I don't know what I had. It was some bug. I wasn't congested. I wasn't coughing, but I, I ran a little fever. Yeah. I say little, I, you know, I, I peaked up there around 102.5. It's not nothing, but mostly like, I just felt achy. You ever get that where it, it almost feels like it's in oh, your yeah. connective tissue. I'm like, why am I so fatigued? Yeah. And, uh, kind of felt that the day before came on more on Tuesday and had a bit of a sore throat and, it's kind of riding it out. I'm like, oh, I'll feel better after lunch. I'm like, I didn't. And so I, I, I just peaced out, got home. I didn't feel, I didn't have any children. I didn't feel like I had a fever, but, uh, took, uh, took my temp for good measure. And I'm like, well, that's not good. So I called yeah, you no, and, and let you know that uh, if you came to record, it'd be at your own risk. And you decided I wasn't worth it. So I would say you weren't <laughs> worth it, but like, uh, you know, working in government has a different set of rules. And I don't, I don't know what, uh, what your employer would say about those things. But if I had reported those symptoms, my employer would have mandated that I stayed home and be tested before my uh, allowed to return. Yeah. So that's what I, I just, I just exercised some discernment there and was like, eh, let me just. Yeah. Let's just hit the pause button on this. We could do this anytime. Well, you know what really I feel like helped me uh, get through it and overcome it so quickly, besides just my underlying level of, of health and, and fitness, um, is, of course, uh, Jocko Go, which helps me get through yeah, everything. Absolutely. It fuels the Solid 7 podcast. And so with that, I... Uh, I like the amateur that I am, yeah. I popped my can before we hit the record button. So yeah. I apologize. But pros. So that's what, yeah, not uh, a little... Sour Apple Sniper action here on my side. Thank you, JP Danell. And uh, so, Jack Savage. Yeah. So, no, I'm the, crazy, you, I'm the weirdo. <laughs> hey, to, to each his own. Um, but uh, no, we were going to record in person and we had to pivot. And so, uh, Mike's like in the most Florida setting possible. Like, you are, you are Florida manning it right now. Like, if oh, you want to, yeah. oh, yeah. the only way this could be more yeah. Florida man is if you uh, did some bath salts and ate somebody's face. But Mike's just, uh, 
I'm, I'm, you liking the mullet that I'm rocking right now? <laughs> I'm looking at him, <laughs> chilling on the patio, legit palm trees in the background, crickets. Uh, might uh, might hear a rooster. Evidently, that's not. Oh, you will hear a rooster. There's no doubt. I'm surprised he hasn't crowed already. So, or cockadoodle dude, whatever they call. I don't it. know if roosters are the most Florida thing. More more North Florida. But uh, if you're hearing some background noise, it's just Mike living his his best life. That's right. Best so. life. Bam. <laughs> well, dude, I, I, I'm, I didn't want to let go of this story. I had kind of queued this up to lead in with when we were planning to record on Tuesday on Flag Day. But I saw huh? this story. I don't know if you caught wind of this, but I, I did want your take, um, Captain America, that you are. That on, on Flag Day, um, the mayor of, of Washington, D.C., Bow, Bowser, Muriel Bowser is her name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly where you're going with this. Lined Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, yeah. For those of you that, well, if that doesn't ring a bell, Pennsylvania Avenue is, is where the White House is located. White House. Uh, with American flags. I mean, awesome. Way to way to go, Madam Mayor! Just celebrating America, celebrating yeah. Flag Day. One, Except <laughs> one one small one small problem. Uh, there were fifty one stars on the flags, um, yeah. which is not an American flag because, of course, the American flag has has fifty stars on it for our right. for our fifty states. Yeah, I, I gotta say, like, if you're you're asking my take on it, I don't like it, and I don't like it. Not because like they, you want to you want to have political activists and they're pushing for D.C. statehood. That's on their business. Right. Whatever. I'm against that, too. But that's not what we're talking about. Uh, a couple of years ago. Well, gosh, I guess it would have been about 10 years ago now. You remember all the backlash that, that the Democrats caught for those Obama flags that they made up with yes. his face on them? Yes. It's basically the same thing. They, they have decorated a place of national pride with a not american flag and they can call it whatever they want but there's no history behind a 51st star flag right it's not like throwing up a betsy ross or one of those other variations you know yeah it's not it's not a ross um, flag it's not a bennington it's not flag. it's political it's activism some... and i don't know like I'll, I'll say this right like there's 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 two sides to that coin uh right uh, you know people that may line up more with you and i politically or, or might be more right-leaning politically uh, they might have a stylized American flag that has a, a thin blue line on it, or a red line, or uh, what's I think I see them with green. Who's green supposed to be? Reds, firefighters, military. blue cops. Okay, green's military. So that's kind of sty- that's kind of stylized. White's uh, EMT doctors. Um, of course. Of, well, of course, everybody gets their own now. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, you know, if you've seen them. They make them now where there's like every single color. I first time I saw it, I'm like, what is this like a gay and lesbian American flag? What is this? <laughs> I actually had to research yeah. it. I was like, oh. Each one of these stands for a different Which, first again, responder. Hey, whatever. And even, uh, you know, Go Rock, obviously, we're affiliates of friends uh, uh, with, uh, you know, whatever fans of Go Rock, uh, you know, and their their logo. Their logo is a spearhead, but their, their thing for the longest time has been kind of a stylized American flag, um, you know, in the uh, in what in the reverse style where you would see on a military uniform where the flag's advancing. So it looks right. like it's in reverse. Uh, on the right arm, but they they'll do that kind of without the field of stars. So I'm I'm not um, I'm not someone who's who's against a stylized American flag. Um, I do yeah. I do think you know some some stylizing is maybe more respectful of of what it is than the other. I, I remember there was yeah. a hubbub during well, whatever that election was when Sarah Palin was on the bottom of the ticket. Like there was video at one point, like somebody asked her to sign a flag, and she did. 
Now, I'm sure you're on the campaign trail. You're a popular figure. All kinds of stuff gets shoved. Like, she, it might have just been muscle memory, right? Probably if she had paused a second to think about it, probably wouldn't yeah. have put the old John Hancock on an American flag. But that's a moment, right? A little moment that's in bad taste. And there's all, right. there's all kinds of debate about, uh, you know, American flag swim trunks or bikinis and, and all this different stuff. You make a good point here, though. I think we're at an interesting crossroads in our, our maybe political discourse or our, our reverence and our value system as a country. Because I remember reading several articles. Um, and it was something to do with Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy had like uh, Ranger Silky American flag PT shorts or yeah. whatever. And he had done something where he was basically nude, but in those. And there was some, some veterans group was like, back in my day, that would be disrespectful. And they referenced, um, this is a real person and his name I don't know, but obviously I know the pop culture reference in Forrest Gump. You know where Forrest Gump interrupts that, that scene at the at the pool yeah. on Capitol Hill? And the dude's like ranting and raving about or railing against the Vietnam War and he's in an American flag shirt. And they were, they were referencing like, that was seen as like disrespectful or like kind of punk rock patriotic. Yeah. Like way back in the day, like the mainstream body of people thought that was wrong. But now... You know, I'm sitting across from my pool deck and I'm looking at an American flag towel that I use frequently. Yeah. You know, I could, I could just picture a greatest generation person back in the day, looking at that as being horribly disrespectful. How dare you towel yourself right. off with the colors, but you know, it just goes to show how it changes. And to your point about, you know, you, you've referenced this reference this many times about intellectual honesty. I guess I can't draw such a hard and fast stance on it. Uh, if I'm sitting here using an American flag to tell myself off after getting out of the pool. So here's where I think it's a little bit different though. Um, like if you're, if you're somebody that, um, you know, you, you don't understand, you lack an understanding and a, and a knowledge of, of uh, history and government and, and you fail to understand why DC isn't a state. Oh yes. Uh, and so you support that cause. So if you're somebody yeah. who's just so uninformed that you support DC statehood and actually most of the support for DC, DC statehood is, is much more nefarious than that. It's not just a, a lack of understanding, Oh, um, absolutely. but you, you want to, you want to fly a flag with 51 stars on your home to make your, your point of, I support DC statehood. You want to put a sticker on your vehicle, 51 stars because I support this. Right. Ha, like have at it. It's, free, it's freedom of speech, right. right? Like it's, that's, that's why like the, um, the, the, but, the soldiers just kind of hit on the, the, soldiers, though, about the nefar nefarious yeah. behind the, behind the scenes because DC with its almost million residents, I think it's 700,000, 750,000, something yeah. people about it in the entire area in the government of that region. There is not a single conservative elected to some, some office. No, it's 100%. Democrat. Yeah, deep blue. And you you know that they're taking this stance and it's just hyper-partisan. Yeah. Like and, and so, but I'm the like, there's, there's a difference between um, taking this and using it to make that political point and uh, the local municipality deciding to fly this in an official capacity in the right. capital of our country. That's where I, I took cool. issue with this. That's where I think that's incredibly inappropriate. Um, and, I completely agree. And in the same, but I mean, it's the same thing that what did uh, 
Oh gosh. Well, I, I get what well, I guess it would have been the Biden administration. I mean, they were flying the BLM flag on the embassies there for a while, weren't they? This is that's a uh, couple years I ago. I don't know but about they the, were doing that. The BLM flag. with that as well. Uh, I have seen, um, like I saw even uh, this week in our own backyard here, um, like the whatever the version of the pride flag is that's approved this week because they continue to add things to it. <laughs> that's um, right. But. Uh, you know, I saw somebody posting that they were proud that they saw that flying at Kennedy Space Center, someplace I that I that I visit, um, or even I don't know about the flags, but they did this in D.C., they did this in Orlando, they did this in New York City. Um, you know, where they would paint the big Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter on the public road. I just saw that in Tallahassee. Yeah. I'd never seen that before in person. On, and and this isn't a statement for or against that cause, but I. I would think we could agree that it's probably not appropriate for uh, for public tax dollars, for public um, uh, resources, so you know, staffing, materials, whatever, to to be spent uh, supporting the like the cause du jour, right? Like if that was if that was my cause, right? If it like the same people who celebrated that and saw that would hate to see those same tax dollars and resources uh, being used to say paint. Um, the text of the second amendment onto, onto a public street. Exactly. Like that, that would, you know, that there probably wouldn't be a lot of overlap in those. There'd be some, right. But, but, uh, but also even like, if you were to look at like popular topics that people could get behind, like how many intersections need to be painted and then maintained by municipal governments in support of these things? How many slogans do we need to throw out there before it becomes just like background noise? Yeah. So I, I just, I saw that and so you support the one, but are you going to support all of them? All the popular causes, the cause of the day, (laughs) you know, what, what I was alluding to before is, you know, it's not uh, on DC statehood, um, uh, you know, to, to narrow the topic to what their cause is it it, DC not being a state isn't an oversight. It's not an accident. It's not the founders of the, it's not the founders of the government screwed up. Um, it was at, at the point that, uh, you know, we were, you know, trying to place the capital. Of course, in New York, New York, um, well, there, there was a president's house at one point in, in Philadelphia. You can go and visit that site, and it's around the same area that the Liberty Bell is and Independence Hall and, and all of those things. Uh, but then the government was functioning uh, out, of, out of New York. And what they, what they recognized in, in establishing Washington, D.C., D.C. being District of Columbia, um, Columbia, the the symbol, the figure, not the country, um, was that it's it's a it's an advantage in both realistic, you know, like uh, tangible and intangible ways, for any state to be the seat of the federal government, for any state right. to to have the capital. So what yeah. they did instead was they carved out this district of Columbia from Virginia and Maryland that would no longer be a part of either state or of any state, but was its own independent little area that just served as the capital for for the country so that no state had undue pull no state had undue uh and intentionally maryland virginia because it kind of bridged that that north south divide that existed even you know pre-civil war the very different ideas um you know, types of things like that. And so, and even, you know, things were so contentious because, you know, back in these times, so even post-revolution uh, under our Articles of Confederation, the states functioned like countries. You wouldn't hear people say the United States. You would hear them say these United States. You you read the yeah. fi- founders 
um, and you talk about, you, you know, particularly Virginians, you know, you'll, you'll see this uh, with John Adams, you'll see, or well, John Adams, of, of course, anybody with any historical knowledge is laughing at me now, uh, was a Massachusetts man. But uh, so with, uh, with Jefferson, with Washington, they would refer to Virginia as their country, uh, right? So they saw themselves as citizens of their, of their states first. Um, and, you know, that's where this federal idea comes from, this union of, of states. But things just weren't going well under the Articles of Confederation, right? They were, um, they went from government that was too heavy-handed, and so they went too far the other direction. It, the Articles of Confederation just weren't strong enough. They're trying to get together to kind of hash things out, to try to figure this out. And they, they wouldn't cross and meet in each other's states. They were going to meet on a boat in the middle of the Potomac. Yeah, which and, is silly. And then Washington <laughs> heard about it and, like any good father, said, no morons, come meet at my house. You can come meet at my house, uh, which, mm -hmm. of course, sits right on the Potomac. Anyways, you can go visit it now. But so things were contentious. So the idea was, okay, well, we're not going to advantage any one state. We're going to establish a, a, a specific capital, but it's not going to be a state. It's not a, No state's going to be advantaged in that way. It's going to be this specially established uh, district of of Columbia, uh, and so and so that's why it came about, and that's the point. And to say that oh well, the the people the, it's taxation without representation. Um, no one ha absolutely no one has to live yeah. there. No one. It's not absolutely not. It's not mandated absolutely that anyone not. has to live hey, there. You know, what's it's interesting is that there. I I was actually um, reading a couple articles when I saw that because it's like a, that argument has come and gone since. Uh, I don't know. I guess we, we were kids. I think that first started coming up in like the nineties, 94, maybe yeah. something like that. So it seems like it's come and gone over time. So I was reading arguments for against, and uh, it just seems silly. And just like, there's a bunch of loopholes. Like you'd have to really overhaul the entire electric system. Well, what's, if, uh, if you were going to go that route, which. Well, and what, what's annoying to me, and this is why people um, are just so distrusting of, of politics and politicians in general if if DC leaned right instead of left, this same issue would exist, but everybody would just trade sides. Yeah. The, Rep oh, yeah. the Republicans would all be pushing for statehood and the Democrats would all be against it. And they'd, exactly. and they'd be pushing. Um, and I say they and not we because I don't count myself in those people. I mean what I say. If it swung hard right right now, I still would not support statehood. Right. That's that's yeah. not how it works. That's why I refer to myself as, as a conservative and not a Republican. Um, right. You know, because I have some intellectual honesty and it's just it's just a political football. And it's and it's it absolutely and is. it's annoying. And, you know, the line, lining the, the streets of, of Pennsylvania Avenue with your your political message and leaning. It's just at the very least, it's just in bad taste. It's in bad taste. And I think that's really articulate as always. Thank you for being. Uh, what's the word erudite or something like that. You know, you just, you explained it exactly how I felt. That's really what I meant when I said, I don't like it. I just, it is in bad taste. I think, I don't, I think I don't care you, you do just fine with your, your explanations, sir. <laughs> I, I, I will not allow you to play the, uh, the knuckle dragger here on the solid Seven podcast. When, when we, Dude, know, but we, I am, we are I not, so we, am. Uh, not that. And I, I saw this as a quote from Elon Musk the other day, and it's not an original thought and it might even be misattributed. 
Uh, but it was something along the lines of you can have a degree and still be an idiot. And that's certainly oh, that's absolutely. certainly possible. And you can be an incredibly intelligent with no degree. Um, however, you, you're, yourself, right? You don't have a degree. Uh, I, I don't. I do not have uh, a degree. And you are incredible. You are a, what, what they what do they call it? Autodidact? Uh, you're self-taught? Sure. Something like that. Uh, I would know if I had a degree. Um, you would. <laughs> it's, uh, college just annoyed me, man. It just. Uh, speaking of, I'm drinking out of my. Liberty University. I was going to say, you, however, have uh, have multiple degrees. Like we, I do. we I have a master's degree. We haven't ever discussed that. I actually, that yet. if the city were willing to, I I would have uh, I would be in school right now for a juris doctorate. <laughs> of course, you would. But they were not willing to pay for that, that's, and I was not willing to. That's surprising for me. For Municipalities tend to have, especially if it uh, is applicable to your your area of employment. Municipalities tend to have pretty robust reimbursement programs. Well, they do, and, and my city re- reimburses up to the master's degree. Um, but the argument that I made in the in this exception, asking for the exception, which was obviously shot down as referenced by my not being currently in school, um, was that I used my GI Bill benefits because I never, I never pictured myself wanting to go that extra extra distance. Yeah. So I figure, oh well, I'll just I use my GI Bill because the benefits are actually better. The way the reimbursement system works with the the city, you have to. You have to put all the money up front, you, then you have to pass with a certain uh, certain grade, and then they reimburse you at the conclusion. So there's there's a period of time, and we could absolutely swing it now, but we couldn't have swung it 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, whereas if I use my GI Bill benefits, the VA pays for everything up front, and they give me a living allowance in addition to going to... I actually got paid to do the classes. Gotcha. Which not not a ton, but yeah. I mean, you know... An extra, I think it was three hundred dollars a month. That's not nothing. Now, uh, so. speaking of work, work, and I don't know, like we can be as vague or specific as you as you want or have to be. And really, work is why we call you Mike Redacted, right? It's not trying to. Sure. It's not because you're some cool guy trying to sound cool. We're not trying to make you sound cool. Uh, it's not trying to, you know, make your, your prior military service out to be anything that it was or wasn't. It's none of those things. It's mm-hmm. your active duty law enforcement. You've worked in investigations. You've headed up invest like the department of investigations. Um, yeah. you know, those types of things you do that, uh, in the area where a lot, not all, but a lot of our listeners are, and it's just a little bit of buffer, uh, for you on, on any number of factors, right? One, um, oh, we know how politically charged your profession is right now. I don't need anybody. Yeah. I don't want anybody reaching out to your chief, your department, your city council going, you know what I heard your officer saying on this podcast, um, which is oh, man. totally, and you know, it, it's a sad state of affairs, but that's the reality of oh, it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'll tell you a story that this actually just happened to me last week. Totally interrupting you. I hope you don't mind. No, go for it. Uh, um, so our city just purchased a, a parcel of property that was a popular hangout uh, in a certain part of town. And uh, there, we're getting so much pushback from the city. They're like, go out there, make sure nobody's loitering on the property, make sure nobody's parking there. If they're out there hanging out, drinking, kick them off the property. So, you know, okay, being the, the knuckle dragger that I am, I got my marching orders and I absolutely went out there day one. I'm it's super as nice as can be, and thank heavens for body cameras because, spoiler alert, it saved my behind. Um, but I go out there I, and I politely kick some people off the property. Uh, they left a bunch of trash to include a couple chairs. I go to throw said chairs away, and oh my gosh, that started such an uproar. I got filmed multi- by multiple angles. Uh, it was not pretty, and 
selectively edited, uploaded to the internet, and got a complaint to the city manager uh, like the next day. Um, so I come back to work uh, after like a day off. And the chief tells me that I was the I was the star of the commission meeting both before and after. Uh, basically, it made us look really, really bad because this lady comes in with this selectively edited video that makes me look like I'm the Gestapo out there, just right. tromping over people and harassing folks. And uh, so it makes the P- the PD look pretty rough. Yeah, and they go and watch my body camera video, which thank heaven we have body camera videos. And see how uber professional I was and very nice. Yeah. And uh, actually made that lady com- uh, apologize both to the city and to the police department uh, for filing the complaint against us. That's so fair. it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's it's a reality. I'm mic redacted for a reason, yeah. unfortunately. Well, and, and truth be told, if this is just a, a show between friends having a conversation, just BSing about stuff, then uh, I... I've got opinions. Yeah. I don't share them at work because that's work. Well, and, and, <laughs> and so, you know, people lack sometimes this, they come out here. Yeah. Well, people lack this ability to, to separate anymore. Right. It's uh, like mm. everybody needs to be held professionally accountable for their, for their personal actions or opinions. And certainly there's some things where like as an officer, there's some personal actions or beliefs you could have that. Yeah, absolutely. You're not suited for, for the job. Yeah. Uh, right. But yeah. by and large, like, you know, that doesn't apply to a lot of things. And and that's the whole thing. There was that story a while back ago where, um, you know, the, the girl was, uh, on a flight to somewhere in Africa or something. And, uh, you know, she texts before, you know, I don't know if she had some drinks in her. I don't know what the deal was. Uh, but like before she takes off, she posts like headed to Africa. Hope I don't catch AIDS or something like that. Obviously <laughs> a joke in poor taste. No. Um, right you're laughing of course at her (laughs) lack of tact and class and and not the joke right but just one of those things and by time she lands on the other side of this flight her her life's over like she lost her job she's blown up on the internet you know you've got a and these days i mean you get doxxed your address ends up out there your your family's address ends up out there just just even even take that 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 exchange that story that you just told right okay you tell that story. I laugh. I'm laughing because like anybody with two brain cells should know you don't do something like that. But I laugh and you don't immediately clarify or we don't have this moment of reflection. And someone takes that selectively edited clip of me laughing oh, yeah. at a joke in poor taste and boom, now that's me. I'm doxxed and I'm canceled yeah. and I'm, you know, and it's, it's, it's so, ah, I hate it. I hate it so well, much, which that's why I'm not on social media. That's, that's part. Of, I actively suggest everybody to follow me. That's part of the challenge we've got to, we've got to deal with these days, right? Is you, you want to think, Oh, I heard the audio of this thing or I saw the video of it. So I know the truth of what happened. And the reality yeah, is not the case. you saw one piece or you saw one angle and you see this a lot Absolutely. with law enforcement interactions where they simply don't have uh, the the whole picture or they might have there you might be watching the video from an angle where you can't see the firearm or the weapon that the person did have or it right. might be edited right, to right. right after they chucked that thing or mm-hmm. um or or whatever and certainly there's times where the video does does i mean like law enforcement is a cross section of of humanity right some cops suck there are bad cops uh um, they're they're it's just not they're just not a majority there i mean they're not even a significant yeah. percentage um, no. but so sometimes the video does catch that and that's a good thing that it, that it does there mm-hmm. too. But simply to say, Oh, I heard the audio or I saw the video doesn't mean, you know, the truth 
of, right. of the situation. You don't know the circumstances. Uh, but so the, the lead in here was, you know, like talking about why we call you redacted is because of work. And there's, there's been a change at work. You know, we kind of talked about you, you had been involved in investigations, uh, but you're, uh, you're back on the, the road. Patrol, yeah, patrol yeah. officer. Well, not uh, officers yeah. demoting, demoting you several yeah. ranks at this point. Um, but yeah. we don't need to talk about what your, what your actual rank is. We don't want to give away too much here. Don't want to give away too but, much, uh, right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's been a change of pace. Yeah. And I, I will say, I know we've kind of talked a little bit at, of course of some of our early morning rocks, but it's uh it's been a big change of pace, you know. And I, I've reflected on it quite a bit over over time, but I feel like the entire agency's culture has changed in the five years that I was in investigations most recently. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been tough and it's, I've gone through, I think peaks and valleys where I've questioned whether or not it's even worth the effort that I put into it. And I, you just, I have to pause and remind myself like, uh, you know, you, you, you need to have a reason for why you do what you do. And if you're being honest with yourself and not self-centered and you are genuinely invested in helping other people, then whether you're loved or hated is irrelevant and it should not impact your mood or your effort towards your job. And it's funny is, uh, and I don't remember if I shared this with you, but, um, I went through a period of time where, you know, when I was an officer, if my sergeant, my Lieutenant, the captain, anybody in the chain was out there doing Big stops, making arrests, doing anything, getting on the radio, getting out there and leading from the front. I would have ate it up. I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Um, and I, I don't think I'm a month into my new assignment. And I had stirred the, the hornet's nest numerous times, made some pretty significant uh, arrests, which I, not me personally, but I ended up, I got it started and then I handed it off to somebody. And uh, even prompted some jokes that I, I had become the most proactive officer in the agency. <laughs> And uh, my people hated it. I got so much pushback. Like, why can't he just go back and lead from his house like the old so-and-so? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get my rank away, but that's what they would say. Because yeah. uh, the previous, uh, previous person who was in that position um, lived in the city and was rumored to basically supervise from their house all day, all night. And uh, was barely ever on the radio, barely ever present. You know, and here I am going to calls, helping them out, you know, if they're busy or, you know, I, and what's funny, and this blows me away. And the way I say culture or change um, is there were numerous instances in between that initial period of time, which things have gotten better, but in that initial period of time where, you know, I would stop what I was doing to go pick up calls for people who were on lunch on their break so that they weren't holding. Yeah. I was doing their work for them. Just, you know, because my big thing is teamwork and I sent you my command philosophy. I don't know if this is where you're going with this. But, yeah, absolutely. It is. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things like we're we're a team and I want to work to make this place the best place we could possibly make it to work. And that means. Me, Mike, I'm not focused on sitting at my desk doing the admin work that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm invested in the whole team's effort. You know, I whatever position you're playing on the team, it's the team's performance that matters. Not my performance. My performance ultimately in a leadership position is is gauged on the performance of the team anyway. Yes. So if the team suffers, but I'm in the corner rocking it out, then I still look bad. So, you know, whether that's self-motivated for me or out of a genuine desire to help and uh, and get the job done, 
I always, I hate it as an officer. I hate it. And it, and it heavily guided um, how I've behaved in, in every position I've held. Uh, the whole rank has its privileges thing. I hate that with a passion. Yeah. I hate it. And that's not me. And yet, and yet, uh, I got a lot of pushback. Man, did I get a lot of pushback. They didn't trust it. They thought it was disingenuous. Uh, they thought I was just out to make them look bad. I was headhunting, blah, 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 man. So it's starting to, well, and that's, here we are several months in now starting to level out. Well, that's the thing, you know, where like you and I are both, um, students of, of, of leadership, um, you know, yeah. uh, both students and fans of, of Jocko. And so, right. Like I, I hear these little things that you say and, and uh, my brain automatically converts them to Jocko terminology, right? Like yeah. you're yeah, saying, yeah. you're saying we're a team and I'm hearing cover and move, uh, right? right. All that, all those kinds of things. And, uh, absolutely. and the fact of like, you can't personally be successful if the team's a failure, which is absolutely right, right. because there are no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. Right. And so, exactly. you know, I, I hear Jocko's voice saying these things, exactly. uh, you know, in, in my head. And so, and even Jocko will say like, like I, I didn't, you, you know, he didn't, he discovered these, these principles, right? Like he didn't create right. them. And so you hear these in throughout, uh, history from, from all types of leaders, you hear these principles, um, over and over again, but one that's always underlying that, that Jonko hits on it in different terms than, than like, you know, my understanding of it came more from, uh, from the ministry side of things and being like a youth leader at church and stuff like that. And it's kind yeah. of the, the hokey cliche where, where you hear it put, um, is, you know, they don't care how much, you know, till they know how much you care. Right. And so Jocko leads with, <laughs> right. Jocko talks about, he tells the story of when he, when he came in as the leader, uh, on, on seal team three, uh, for it was, uh, you know, a task unit within the SEAL team. He didn't head up the whole team. He headed up a task unit, which is two platoons. Uh, and it was, um, you know, uh, Charlie and Delta platoons within task unit, uh, what would have been task unit Bravo, uh, right. Which he kind of rebranded task unit bruiser. Now, organizationally, the, the military, the Navy would have said that's task unit Bravo, uh, but his thing was no when he when he came in it needed that identity it needed that culture change right and this is a right. content you know um, a concept he takes from and and learned from uh, about face from uh, mm-hmm. uh, Char- Charles is it Charles Hackworth is the name um, yeah. uh, writing about his experience uh, as a military leader in in Vietnam is you know coming in and having this unit you need to turn around where the culture's bad mm-hmm. it takes a cultural change it can't just be policy. Right. It can't just be procedure. It can't just be your SOP. It can't just be, I'm going to put these rules on the walls. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to send a memo. Like that won't get Absolutely. it done. That won't change culture. But to, no. to make that cultural change requires relationship, right? Yeah. So you're coming in the, you know, and my, my read on that is, and where some of that frustration comes from is, you're coming in and you're demonstrating the culture, which is the right thing to do, but you're right. not getting any buy-in on on what you're demonstrating yet because you don't have yeah. the relationship. Which is, yeah. you're 100% correct because I, I have, kind of to borrow that, they, they don't know how uh, how much you care and whatnot. It's all, it is it is getting better because, you know, when I, w- I've always been an in my lane kind of person. There's a lot of people who like to stick their fingers in other people's pies and stick their nose where it doesn't belong. That has never been me. So if I'm on, if I'm in charge of one patrol squad, my only concern was that patrol squad and its success. I didn't care what CID was doing if I was on patrol. And when I was in CID, I didn't care what patrol was doing because we have, we, we have the same overarching mission, but the way in which we carry it out was so wildly different. 
It didn't do anybody good for me to sit in the comfort of my office with not any of the full facts and sit there and say, well, these officers jacked this up and that up and blah, blah, blah. And this person's an idiot. And that, unfortunately, that's sadly very common. Yeah. So a lot of these people coming in, you know, uh, I went from a, a core group of people who I was able to select and build and mentor. Uh, we were kicking butt and taking names, but I was unknown to the, the 20 plus people. Uh, hardly at all. Like no, almost none of them knew me yeah. uh, outside of maybe three or four because I had been in the age or uh, in, investigations for so long yeah. that there weren't a lot of people who worked for me. And by virtue of where I was assigned, uh, the majority of people who did know me were on the other side of things. So it's just one of those things. But, but now that they're starting to understand that, no, they aren't just words. I actually mean it. I am trying to do these things. Um, I am getting by it. Yeah. And there've been a lot of r- really cool success stories. Uh, I just hear a weird noise in my AirPods. Are you still hearing me? Okay. Uh, dude, I, I don't even, I've stopped trying to identify the noises I'm hearing. There's, there's sprinklers, there's bugs, there's wind, there's, I don't even know what's going on over there, so. Okay, all right, I just so make sure you our, hear uh, You know, our, our illustrious new uh, audio engineer here at the, the Sound Zone Podcast, actually a mutual friend of both of ours, uh, Yes. Art, Art Pitbock, uh, he'll either fix it or he won't, I mean, it's it's whatever. Yeah. Art, I'm just, you know, because I love you, and I know you're passionate about audio stuff, I'm just really giving you a challenge this week, that's my goal goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's tough though. I've been, um, I'm fortunate enough that, uh, my, my employer sees the value kind of in, um, extreme, in, in extreme ownership in echelon front and the work that they do not, not quite enough value to send me to a muster, which is, is quite pricey. Uh, but, um, but I do have access to the, the echelon front it was, uh, EF online, but now it's EF Academy. So it's this, uh, online resource for uh, Jocko's uh, leadership and consulting company that he founded and runs with with Leif and a lot of that team. And we talk about them on here, but so there's a lot of cool components to that. You get to Zoom with their team like three times a week, not individually, but it's a pretty small group setting. It's normally typically less than 150 people and Jocko's on there and Leif's on there and Dave Burke and all these people who are kind of these bigger names that, that you hear about mm-hmm. from, from Echelon Front. Um, and you, you can interact with them, but then there's also... Uh, you know, built in like online courses you can do. There are certificates for it. Um, even, you know, if you're somebody, a listener that you're like, you're kind of in the business world or you're into LinkedIn, stuff like that, like their courses come with Credly badges. So you can add it to your, your profiles where, you know, you, well, you, yeah, you can see that you've completed that training. So anyways, if things have, have slowed down a little bit here uh, for us in the summer, I've finally been able to really kind of dive into some of those. And so I've been, uh, you know, over the last few days, been completing some of the, uh, you know, there's a, a whole like a 12 course uh, program, 12 section program for uh, extreme ownership uh, that kind of ties in with that book. And then there, there's one that kind of ties in with the uh, dichotomy of leadership, uh, their follow on book. So I'm, I'm a few lessons into that one. And it's just uh, the dichotomies of leadership really is that that's where the finesse is in leadership, right? That that's finesse, where the challenge yeah, is. And so even, you know, hearing you talking about building this, these relationships, there's a dichotomy there. You have to yeah. be close with your team. They have to know that you care, um, yeah, but not too close, but you can't play favorites. They do have to yeah. understand your position and your authority, not in a Cartman style, like, Hey, respect my authority, um, <laughs> but right. in a, you know, under understanding, uh, you know, the challenge, like it, they can't become so important 
that you'll sacrifice the mission for them. So, and but it's this ever flowing thing. You got to try and keep it locked down in the middle where there's points where, yeah, you might put the team in front of the mission in this moment, depending on what the mission is, what's going on with the team. Uh, But overarching, it can't become, and they, they talk about that in the context of, you know, in, in really your line of work too, but in, in theirs, you know, from, from their military life, you know, they're, they're in a position where, they're they're putting the the team in danger in harm's way right putting right. putting lives on the line and you can't be yeah. so attached to the team that you're you're frozen to where you can't do that um, right right and so obviously that's a that's a very serious situation but again that that comes into play you know in a setting where you might have somebody underperforming on the team you know harming where you can't complete the mission or they're taking up resource or kind of dragging everything down and really mm-hmm. like you've tried to train them you've tried to help them you've you've given them a path to success it's just not for them um but you you harm the whole team and the mission by not cutting them loose because right. because you're so attached so it's it's finding that mm-hmm. balance of yeah you need to be close uh but not but not too close um it's tough in particular you know with things uh yeah. You know, where there is a risk element involved, uh, you know, where you do have to go through some trials, those are bonding uh, situations also. And so it's, uh, you know, it's a tough thing to balance. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it, it takes time. And I think the thing that, that, uh, I don't know, maybe I was just overly optimistic and I, I kind of bend that way anyway to being a little bit more, you know, optimistic in my outlook and, and whatnot. But, uh, I think the, the thing that I realized or got frustrated by was the, just the severity and the amount of pushback, a culture change takes time. Yeah. That's just the thing. Right. And I, I recall that from my tenure in CID is just that, you know, it, it did change over time. It wasn't, it wasn't like day one, it was functioning the way that I wanted it to. It was, it was, a, it was a five-year process. And actually it was more like a, it was about a three-year process, maybe two and a half where it was smooth sailing after at towards the end. Uh, but it was, it was definitely touch and go in the beginning. So, but, but, you know, looking at it here, it's, uh, it, we've seen a lot of positive turnaround in the last couple of months. And I, it, it's fun. It's good to start seeing buy-in. It gives me some hope that, all right, I'm not crazy. This stuff works. Just give it time. Don't get frustrated. Don't get burned out. Just keep, keep working, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. And it's going to go the way that it should go. So, cause I, and I think everybody kind of struggles with this little bit of self doubt, right? Where, you know, when you, when you have this idea uh, of how things should go, you're, you're well-educated. It's, you've been successful in the past, but then you start running into these, these hurdles and then you kind of deal with this like, well, Hey, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. You know, how, is it everybody or is it me? Yeah. So, um, I kind of moved through that space probably like four months ago, you know, and I think that's just everybody, everybody is struggling. Right. And you look at, uh, I know we're both fans of stoicism. You look at meditations and, and Marcus Aurelius, like he, he struggled, Yeah. you know, and he wrote meditations as it's, it's his journal to himself. Yeah. And it's full of uh, entries about controlling his temper and, you know, like met, you know, just digging in and reminding himself why he does what he does, and and it's just 
it's normal. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say. And there, there's value <laughs> to like the, tem- the temptation, like what what you want. The the trap is you're like, okay, th- this is this is where I want us to be. This is where I want the team to be. This is what I want us to be about. And so I'm going to lay that out and I'm going to lay out my reasons. Like I'm going to give you, I'm not going to say because I said, so I'm going to give you the why, like I'm going to, I'm right. going to point out to you, he, here, here's what we're going to do, but here's why we're going to do it. And here's, here's why that benefits or how that benefits, not only our department, yeah. not only our communicate, our, our, our community, here's, here's how that benefits you. And I'm going to lay it all out. And you want to think right. uh, I'm dealing with adults. I'm dealing with rational people. <laughs> and if I, if I, if I make my case and I present the why, like the light yeah. bulb's going to click and they're just going to be, and they're going to be board. like right on board. And it's just almost <laughs> never, ever how it goes. And part of it well, is trust. That's what it is. It, it is. And some of, and it's, and it's proofs in the pudding. Right. And so yeah. it's, this might be a, you know, a bit of a left field analogy, but like uh, Dave Ramsey, right. Financial, you know, guru type, you know, money makeover type person, super anti-debt guy listeners, if you're not familiar. And, uh, but he preaches this debt, like for people to get out of debt, part of his process is he, he recommends this debt sn- snowball, right. Take all the debts you have. And, uh, you know, typically things have a minimum payment, right? So take all your debts and make the minimum payment on everything except the smallest debt, right? And whatever extra money you can scrounge up, throw it at that. Throw it at the smallest one. And once that one's paid off, then throw everything you were paying to that, including that minimum, and throw it at the next thing. And this is somewhat uncommon advice, even in like the personal finance get out of debt world. Right. And it doesn't make the most mathematical sense. The most mathematical sense is throw all the extra money you can at the debt that has the highest interest rate. Interest. That's that's the psychology, though. Yeah. Right. And so but what that does, not unlike things like communism, is that fails to recognize human nature. And what what Dave realized through his own experiences and through this process of coaching people out of debt is that. The sooner people feel a win, the sooner they see and feel it working, the more right. dedicated they will be and the more ferociously they will, will attack it and the more likely they exactly. are to stick to it. Where yep. your your highest interest rate might be on your largest debt and it's going to be a lot harder to visualize, to see and feel that progress. Even if you're making it, throwing that yep. money at that, then it's like, Oh, I, I had like 200 bucks on this one store credit card and it was a, a low interest rate, but you got it paid off and you feel that win and you, and you start to realize, yeah. oh, I, I can make progress. I can do that. Yeah. And so it's that human nature side. I, I deal with this myself personally, like within myself with, uh, with fitness, like with exercise, right in that, um, yeah. you know, I got, I got really into, it and I am still a big fan of the HIT system, not HIIT. So not high intensity interval training, but high intensity training, um, which is working out with compound movements with intentionally slow movements. I heard my old trainer uh, explain how you should move through exercise movements this way the other day. He said, imagine you're driving a very powerful sports car and there is a baby in a car seat sitting on top of the roof. 
how would you drive the car? That's how you should go through your exercise movements. Very controlled, very intentional, uh, very smooth but slow turnarounds at the beginning and end of the movement. I thought that was a great way to illustrate that. So if you've ever heard of the super socialism, but HIT is that. So you're working out very intensely, uh, but very briefly uh, to to maximize the signaling to your muscling to to get stronger and whatever else. And so, um, I I do believe that it is um, the the most effective, uh, efficient, and safest way to to exercise and build strength. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe that it's also incredibly intense because you do every movement to positive muscle failure and a little bit beyond. Um, it's yeah. very intense muscle burn. It's very, very challenging. It's very difficult to do effectively without a trainer. Not a lot of people have. I was going to say, I, I had a, a good friend of mine run me through a workout, one of these, when I, when I was probably in the peak of my physical fitness and it, it burned me out like nobody's business. It's, and it was about half the amount yeah. of time that I would spend normally in the gym at any given time. Yeah. Le- less so time. It, it's a totally different yeah. experience, but it's, it's very, very intense and it's very uncomfortable to do it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you said less time because what's interesting about HIT when you break it down, just as a quick aside, um, is that you're typically doing some small grouping of compound movements. Um, you can do it with, uh, with free weights, with machines. You can actually do it with, with body weight. My old trainer developed a whole system of doing uh, a very effective system of doing a body weight only. Um, but if you, if you track toll, so normally you're doing these movements at an intent, at a, at a, at a weight or at an intensity where you reach that positive muscle failure within 60 to 90 seconds to where you can no longer move any longer with proper form. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if you're only doing um, five, six, seven, maybe eight compound compound movements, you're also doing this very quickly because you want to keep the heart rate elevated. It actually provides a lot of cardiovascular benefit in doing it that way. So you're doing very brief workouts. But if you look at total time under load, if you look at most people who are going to the gym and doing a more typical methodology, maybe you're doing uh, drop sets, maybe you're doing a three-set workout, maybe you're doing a pyramid. If you look at the rate, the speed with which they're doing their movements, their total time under load will tend to fall about in that same range of that HIT workout right? because they're doing the movements so quickly that they're not under load longer than the person doing the HIT movements. Really, really interesting stuff. But um, so my my old trainer and super intelligent guy, I'd love to to have him on here sometime to to talk about these things. I mean, really experienced, really intelligent. Um, But just kind of harps on anything and everything else that, that isn't that. Like, why would you do that? Why would you go spend an hour in the gym three times a week when you could do this and be, have the same results, if not better results with less time. And I see the logic of that. Um, and it's, and he picks apart, you know, things that just aren't scientific, like, Oh, I'm going to train explosiveness. Okay. Well, no, let's get into like your muscles don't know you're exploding. You know, it's like, there's, there's a lot of hooey out there in health and fitness to be sure. And he debunks a lot of that stuff and that's great to see, but there's something I'm just really, I got to stop one second. I'm really interested to see if you can tie this back to your original point. Because because you, <laughs> you just, we are so rabbit trailing, you and I. I love it. Yeah. I don't mind, but we are far left the tracks of where you were going when you first introduced this explanation. Because you started with Dave Ramsey, and now you're moving into the yeah. the hit stuff with <laughs> yes, challenge challenge accepted. Um, but uh, but what he what he failed to what what uh, 
what he's a little blinded to, right? Like he, he would, he would mock, he would disparage, like not in a mean way necessarily, like my wife and I going to Orange Theory, like we do, right? Because I could get as much or more benefit out of a, a 15 or 20 minute HIT workout as I'm getting going and, and putting in an hour at, at Orange Theory. And that's, that's probably accurate, but there's, there's music, there's vibe, there's, there's group culture, there's a, I'm paying for it. So there's a, and, and, you know, he'll kind of counter, like, you don't have to make like people brush their teeth without it being fun because you know, you need to brush your teeth. I'm like, this is, yeah, yeah, but that that doesn't hurt. So it, it just fails to recognize that human nature aspect. And so the tie in Mr. Officer. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, bro. I'm going to have to bleep it. All right. 5323. <laughs> uh, officer redacted. Um, <laughs> that's the first time I've ever screwed that up. We just, I know. I got you. Listeners, we just bleeped hey. it out, but I actually said Mike's last name like an amateur. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but. <laughs> Now I might have lost the point. No, the point is like you go in and you lay out your, hey, we're. No, I saw where you were going. We're, with it. We're, I was just busting your We're going like to be, if you hadn't challenged me remembering yeah. it, I would have lost it. I would have gotten done with that story and said, man, I forgot how we got down there. <laughs> uh, but then you made it a, a pride issue and my ego stepped in. But it's like you, you walk in and you just like the temptation as a leader is to be like, who wouldn't be fired up about this? Who wouldn't, who doesn't want to be the best squad in the agency? Who doesn't want to be the ones getting the promotions? Who doesn't want to be the ones getting, getting the tough calls, getting the the toughest, like who, who doesn't want to be the squad everybody wants to be on? Cause everybody knows you're the best. Who, who doesn't want to be the pride of the community, the pride of the department, who doesn't want to be the first ones up for promotions. Here's all the ways these things are going to make our community, our department, our squad, and you as individual officers better. Here's the, here's the whole picture holds the thing. And when, when they sit back and cross their arms and go, okay, we'll see. What do you mean? We'll see. But th- yeah, exactly. But that's, but that's the reality that's, of it. Is. That and, is, uh, you know, and I, the analogies are so correct in both regards of the debt snowball plus the, you know, the, the appeal of orange theory over that high intensity stuff is that, uh, it's, it factors in psychology and yeah. that's just how people can be is that I think we are, and, and law enforcement are, are the worst in terms of, of trust, like so instantly distrustful of anything change related. Any change agents like, whoa, whoa, what is this guy after really? Because yeah. it's not, he, it's all happy, happy stuff that he's talking about. That ain't true. They're just trying to get us. Yeah. You know, that's their instant vent. So like, you know, the proof's in the pudding and they got to start seeing it, which, you know, and that's, you just got to, you got to, it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. You know, you got to build those relationships. You got to show the people that they, that you care. You know, I had somebody and frankly, I, I was surprised because I don't know that, I don't even know if we ever talked about this, but being disrespectful is like my, uh, it's my kryptonite, man. Like I, I, I instantly lose my cool when people are disrespectful, but I had somebody who was horribly disrespectful to me and, uh, I opened it. I, I allowed it. I was like, Hey, this is just a, this is a mic and so-and-so conversation. Um, I don't want to hear about rank, but like, I don't understand that interaction we just had. And I want you to speak frankly with me. And this person just oh my gosh, laid it on me. Like I was worse than Hitler basically. And like all that stuff you're saying is just words. We'll see it. You're not a part of the team yet. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, wow. And that's where. And like literally, literally. Uh, it was two or three shifts later. I was writing that person up for an award yeah. because of something they did. Well, and that's and where like, like you've got to check the ego, right? Because I, I got think to, your initial when I saw the like I, yeah. I I my I'm not I'm experiencing it like vicariously through you, and I already want to go judge dread. Like I'm not part of the team. I am <laughs> I know, the team. Hard, I dude. am the team. But of course, yeah. you're oh, not. Though. I, I actually did say that. It's like, well, that's where you're wrong because what you don't realize is actually I am a member of this team now. Whereas I might not have been a couple months ago, or I might not have been last week, but I am now. And you will see that over time. Yeah. And this person was didn't buy it in any second. Actually, was like, "Am I dismissed, sir?" I'm like, "Yes, you're dismissed." Well, and, and then you know, literally, like a week later, she ends up. Uh, she not that it matters. Her name was whatever. Well, we don't. We don't way. know how that person identifies. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. Anyway, so Anna ended up writing her up for an award. She gets recognized in front of all of her squad mates. And, uh, you know, I'm hearing through the back channels that it's, it's, it's proverbs, you know, like you're, you're you're being kind to your enemy is as if heaping burning coals on their head. I'm hearing through back channels that, that she feels so intensely bad about how she treated me during that initial exchange that, uh, She's been so incredibly nice to me since. Well, and so incredibly. And nice. That's almost. And it's just a matter of proof in the pudding. It's really a pro more than a con, Mike. The way I see it is that she's probably at this point a better acolyte for the changes that you're trying to make yeah. than she would otherwise have been if she wasn't so right. opposed uh, and wasn't yeah. proved so dramatically wrong. Um, oh man, you know it was, uh, and and it, it's so crazy to me too. And and it's it was the frustration of months ago that the biggest people who were fighting the change were some of the best workers. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, we, we should be, we should be simpatico here. Like we agree. I think, a phen- I think you all do phenomenal work. I'm not out here to catch you. I'm actually out here to sing your praises, get you where you want to go and fight for you. Uh, at, you know, and, and this is the thing that I actually ended up saying this in briefing. Cause I got, I got a little passionate uh, um, during, during briefing one morning. And uh, it was basically like, it's, to my knowledge, and I, I obviously I can't speak for everybody. That may have happened to other people, but I know that I have been such a outspoken proponent of supporting the troops that I have been politely asked to leave the chief's office. <laughs> they don't know that, yeah. Because why would that ever come up? But they knew it because I told them that. It's like you don't you don't know this because this says you know you don't normally vent down right, but. Whether you realize it or not, I have your back. And here's this example. Here's that example. Here's this example. And one of the things that I threw out there was over the, la- the last five officers of the year, four nominations came from me. Four of the five were people I wrote up. Yeah. Not that I did the work. All I did was point out that they were worthy of recognition. Yeah. But they don't know that. They just saw who got the officer of the year. They don't know who wrote them up for it. They don't know that I've written more more award recommendations than anybody else in the agency, probably any two people in the agency. Yeah. But they're starting to see now and it's starting to affect some change. It just, it, just, it takes time. You got to show that's yeah. the psychology of it all. Uh, you got to build those relationships. You got to show that it, you're, you're being genuine. Well, one, yeah. one thing that, that really helps with ownership though, and I'd be interested to see how, how you've implemented or addressed this, or if you've been able to, um, cause I could see this being, being challenging, 
you know, at, at the the scale that you're at and the situation that you're in, is the the team having ownership in the process, right? So it's yeah. there's a difference between, um, hey, this is the plan of how we're going to do things um, now that I'm here, and okay, the 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 way things have been done, like don't meet standard. Here's the standard. Here's the mission. Here's the goal. Okay, team, how, what's the plan? How do we, how do we get there? Or giving these pieces of ownership, uh, right? right? Like even as I've worked through some of these, uh, you know, echelon front um, courses over the last few days, one of the things that, you know, they address was like, what do you do with that disgruntled employee, right? What do you do with that, that person that has nothing but negative things to say? Uh, and you might be able to guess what their, their solution is, but their immediate reaction is right. put them in charge of something. Right. If they, if they you know, and, and that, and that's the thing is it's, it, yes, you, you can do that. The opportunities are somewhat limited in a law enforcement setting. Cause they're, you know, I mean, ultimately you're in charge of stuff every time you go to calls. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a matter of accountability and clearly communicating standards and expectations. And I, I think it was an extreme ownership it may have been a dichotomy, but I remember Jocko telling a story about how he had to, uh, he basically had to put somebody on point and wrote up a, a lengthy diatribe against this guy or diatribe against this guy. And basically like, hey, you're going to sit here quietly while I read these thoughts to you. You think you are the shiznit. Yes. Nobody else agrees. I, you're actually pretty horrible. I blah, love blah, blah, that blah. story. He reads through that whole letter actually uh, in one of his early on podcasts. Yeah. And that yeah. That, yeah. that always really stuck with me, the, the way that he addressed that. You um, know, and you, you have to have those moments sometimes um, with, with people. And, uh, you know, uh, inside baseball, I can kind of see it coming with at least one person yeah. just they're you know non-responsive but i know? will say which was kind of a not gonna uphold the standards that are clearly yeah. clearly been put out there what's been kind of a, a a bit of a revelatory concept to me though and this was this was a conversation in some of the um echelon front online conversations um la last week was the role that accountability plays. Um, and really I was surprised to hear them come at it as more of a negative. Like if you're, if you're constantly having to hold people accountable, that it's more of a leadership failure that if you're at a point where you're doing uh, hardcore, like I'm on top accountability, um, yeah. really it should be a last resort because everything else that should work has failed. And this is probably right. somebody who like, if this doesn't work, it's that, but really if you're doing the job of training and equipping properly and distributing ownership properly and making sure um, that they, that you're conveying not just the, the what and the how, but the why that accountability really should take care of itself. And of course the dichotomy there is you can be two hands off. You can't be completely oh, yeah. uninvolved. You have to give guidelines. You have to check in, but of course the right. more experience that they get, the less you have to check in and that accountability, you know, this concept of accountability really should be more of a last resort and an indicator to you that, Hey, I need to check and make sure I haven't failed in any of the areas that should have kept me from, yeah. from getting there with, with this person. And that's just, Absolutely. you always hear about accountability, particularly coming from the Christian world as such this positive concept and thing like you, you know, we want transparency, we want uh, accountability, uh, and, and you do, but, um, you know, it's from a, from a leadership standpoint, they're, they're taken. And I find a lot of merit in this. I just had never thought through it in this aspect myself was that if, if you're really having to, to get deep in the weeds on, on holding somebody accountable, you've probably failed at a prior step in leadership. Yeah. Not necessarily. If you haven't, yeah. it's okay. Like it's, it's a tool in the tool bag. It's got to be there, but it's probably right. pretty close to the end. 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting take on it for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's like everybody's an individual, right? Like there's there's going to be that person who is just no degree of through the leadership process to get from A to B or A to Z. Not everybody's going to get there. There's a bell curve of performance for a reason. And some people are just going to be non-performers, no matter how much work you have. They've they've wound up for whatever reason. And and honestly, it could be just a change in their, their, their personal situation. Yeah. um, Where previously somebody who was a superstar, you know, they go through a horrible divorce. They're struggling with like maybe alcoholism or something. And now they're showing up late and they're just horrible and, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it happens to be. Like you can, you can try all these different metrics, but sometimes like some people are just, you know, non-responsive to it. And, uh, so. well, and that too, that, that goes into, um, you know, why you do have to care about your team and you do have to be invested, um, yeah. in that, like you should be plugged in enough that, you know, like Right. You're, you're, the people on your team probably shouldn't be your closest confidants and you don't necessarily need to be theirs, but you need to be engaged enough to know what's going on in their life, good, bad, and different Absolutely. and otherwise, so that you know, okay, hey, maybe I don't need to tune Dave up over his crappy work this week. Maybe it needs to right. be, hey, uh, you know, Steve and Susie, crap home life for Dave this week. We're going to back him up and help cover for him. And, exactly. uh, and, he'll, and he'll come and he'll come back around. That's, that's cover and move. Right. So it's like, you've got to be, but if you're that. not engaged, if you're, if you don't have relationship, if you don't care enough, you don't know. Yeah. And now you're just heaping on Dave. It's listen, I don't know what's going on with you and I don't care. Get your crap together and do it right. Or this is going to be a different conversation. Well, Dave's not going to do better after that. No, 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 no. It's going to shut him down. Yeah, more, he's he's going to walk away pissed and Oh, like, like I needed this. Like yeah, I'm, like I'm get, I needed I'm, this. I'm getting this is the last thing I need right now. I got all this going on. Yeah, in my yeah. Life. So it, you know, and that it, what's interesting is there there have been examples of that. Um, I, I could think of one specific person who I worked with for for probably like easily a year, maybe eighteen months, and then ultimately, uh, exactly what you said, you know, and we just ended up having a conversation where I'm like, hey, listen, this is this is what we've done. We've had these conversations, you know, I've, I've been doing this. These are the stats to back you up. This is how it's affecting everybody else. And this is what you've been doing. And, you know, I, I just, I need you to make your determination. Do you still want to be here and be a part of this team? Because if so, I need to start seeing some change. It's been, it's been X number of months that I've been doing this for you and helping you. And you're, you're aware of it. but it's time for the rubber to meet the road. My man, yeah. like I need, I need to, I need to see some change. I need to see some improvement or else we're going to have to start going a different path. <laughs> and that person realized like, okay, yeah, I think I, I need to change the scenery and, and ask for to be reassigned yeah. to a different assignment, you know, and that's the beauty of law enforcement. Like there's so many different arenas and some are, are more demanding than others. And, uh, and you had Colin on here the other day, you know, his life in patrol way easier in his life in the task force being on call for all that time and yeah. not being able to take vacation. Like that's just a reality. Yeah. You know, investigations is far more demanding than patrol and anybody who's experienced both knows that to be true. Well, and um, you know, beyond that, may, maybe you need to be a, uh, you know, a CRO, maybe you need to be an SRO. Like, yeah, maybe and, you and need that's a more thing, chill and, that's, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, and a successful law enforcement agency is only successful because all of those individual parts and pieces that team the macro team not the micro team but the macro team is functioning properly every single unit needs to be 
firing on all cylinders. Otherwise, it's not successful. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and that's, you know, that's the real tough side of that coin of there. there's no bad teams, there's only bad leaders is um, that doesn't mean that everybody on the team is capable of performing at the level they need to perform at with the right leader. Right. That means the right, right the right leader will make sure everybody has the opportunity to achieve the highest level they can. And if they don't yeah. avail themselves of that, or if the highest level they're capable of simply doesn't meet the standard, then they've they've got to go because the mission comes yeah. before the team. The mission comes before the team. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, this is, uh, I feel like, I mean, you want to pivot onto something else. I feel like we've got another, I don't, I don't, well, I, I didn't listen to your last podcast, but I know you, you've had like a string of a very heady and heavy topics. You well, want to I mean, talk I, about like uh, had, snow cones or something? No, well, I had a, a real like uh, professional, nice, smooth segue planned um, that you, oh, just, you just crapped Rough all over. Rough so, my style, baby. So Art, just go back and edit that out and uh, we'll pick yeah, up yeah, yeah. from right here, which is, you know, you must be, be doing a halfway decent uh, job, uh, you know, leading, leading the squads there. Otherwise they would circle an open letter about how embarrassing you are to the agency <laughs> and how, uh, you know, what a distraction you are to their work. Like, oh my God. like some employees decided to do at SpaceX. Absolutely. <laughs> this dude, this, oh my God. this is That's such so like, funny. I mean, this is just one of those, like you just wouldn't have seen this not very long ago. Like employees just you absolutely wouldn't, but I, I 110% love, I love how they responded to it. Yeah. So Disney take notice. Yes. Here's the thing. Take notice. So some, if you had done what SpaceX had yeah. done, you'd be in so much better shape. Right some now. number of employees at SpaceX from whatever varying levels within, within the agency decided that they were going to draft this open letter to leadership there. So Elon, he's the, he's the CEO uh, at SpaceX. He's not the president. Uh, the president's a very accomplished uh, woman, uh, Gwen Shotwell. She's, she's uh, absolutely is responsible for a lot of their success uh, right along with Elon and has been there since, since early on and whatever. So it's to her and some of the other leadership team just says, you know, um, basically like Elon's the, are the, uh, the de facto PR department for SpaceX. And when people, you know, see and read his tweets, they take that as like de facto decrees from SpaceX and it's embarrassing and it's a hostile work environment and it distracts from, uh, our ability to do our jobs and all these things. And the company needs to, you know, publicly denounce his, his tweets and his behavior and, and, and all this mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, and it, it's kind of all the, the typical kind of wokey take on things right now. And it's, it's very much, um, you know, this millennial, this is how this makes us feel and, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. The and feelings are facts. And we, we see this at company over company. You see that you saw this at Spotify, this uproar from the employees, uh, when they when they bought the exclusive rights to Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. and um, you saw this with uh, you know Netflix with several of their employees, like with Dave Chappelle's specials and and things like that. Yeah. And what we typically see is these companies kind of cave or kowtow. We saw that you you referenced Disney, where the employees got mad that Disney didn't push back more uh, against uh, what was termed, which has nothing to do with "Don't Say Gay," but termed the "Don't Say Gay" bill in Florida. They were mad that, yeah, exactly. that they didn't put up more of a fight than that. And you you tend to see these companies now, these large companies, these companies that are in demand places of employment, or at least once were, that have no problem uh, filling open jobs. 
they right. they let this this loud portion, this loud what often seems to be a minority of their, and I'm talking about a minority as the percentage of yeah, the total employees, of employees, not not um, race or sex. Uh, you know this this vocal minority kind of bully them around and push them into these decisions where, uh, you know, Spotify yeah. kind of found a middle road. They're like, oh, we're not going to pull Joe Rogan, but they pulled a lot of his back catalog. Yeah, which, they pulled a lot. Of his, yeah, his which episodes. was where a lot yeah, of the value, the which was a lot of the value in what they paid for his show was in the back catalog. And then if there's an episode of his show that even mentions COVID-19, they, they slap a little warning on it, right. in right in yeah. their app. Uh, right. And yeah, when did those trigger warnings start coming around? Oh I just noticed God. them a while ago and I'm like, what have these always been around? Uh, it was like, after that this? stuff. It was after all the uproar over, like, I think when he caught COVID himself and took ivermectin and everything under, you know, the supervision and direction of medical doctors, but whatever. Um, and uh, so you, but they you, weren't the they weren't the right. Yeah. And so you doctors. see like and even now, like, you know, Disney's just in this big peeing contest with with the governor of Florida and with the state of Florida. They're losing yeah. this, they're losing a, a special, uh, you know, uh, tax and governmental status that they had. And now yeah. they're holding off on moving jobs here from California that they were moving here uh, because they, they want to make their point more than they want to make money and operate as a business, which has become yeah, which is almost silly. impossible in California, all this stuff. Right. And so what, what SpaceX did, which I think is the, the, the right tack to take with these things is uh, they fired him. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. They're just uh, like, bye. They came back and said, focus on your jobs. We'll get to Mars faster. If you do your jobs well, instead yeah. of worrying about what somebody's saying on Twitter. Yeah. We've, we've got a lot of important work to do. We don't have time to be dealing with this mess. 100% any legitimate concern should be addressed with supervisors, should be addressed with legal, should be addressed with HR. What you shouldn't be doing is, is spending company time uh, with, I think they use the term overreaching activism. And they yeah. said this uh, your actions actually created a hostile work environment as employees received emails about this multiple times, felt pressure to forward it on themselves, felt pressured to sign on themselves. Uh, and basically, we don't have time for this and yep. uh, and you're gone. And so I don't know that everybody involved got fired. What I've read is they fired like five people that were in were involved. But the yeah, it but, wasn't a lot. The article that I saw on it was uh, was not many. Yeah, but the message is clear that we're not playing this game here. We're serious people. We're about serious business. And if that's not what you're here for, then you won't be here. Yeah. And so I, I mean, and, and that's the that's the take to have, man. Yeah. I tell you what, because it's like when did when did the it's I guess it's always been about the bottom line, but they've just been, in my opinion, getting some bad reads as to what's going to generate that bottom line. Yeah. Because Disney's Disney's stances, I, I have to believe, are still money motivated, but that just I don't I don't know who's telling them yeah. their decisions are leading them in that direction. Well, it's, but SpaceX is one hundred percent taking the right stance on yeah. this. You got the you got a couple of malcontents that are distracting people from their work. The reality of it is, and I look at this, you know, law enforcement again, right? This is my own experience. There during the height of the whole George Floyd stuff, uh, there are a couple of things: thin blue line flags became symbolic with racist right I, I don't know how but it did and so the city mandated they're like all right everybody if you've got a thin blue line anything sticker on your car license plate something displayed in your office you have to remove it um and it wasn't even internal to our municipality it was like there was a complaint in a in a municipality not even neighboring our jurisdiction but several over and uh poof instantly gone did i like it no but 
it's not my office, it's the city's office. So, okay, I'll make the change, you know? And it's one of those things. It's like SpaceX is saying, focus on your work. You don't have to agree with whatever stance it is. If it, 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 the other side of this, which I think is kind of funny too, is like, okay, all you wokesters at Disney, Disney's not woke enough. Go find another job that's woke enough for you. Why do you have to sit there and be this vocal critic of the company's yeah. politics in order to change the way 100% of the, or uh, 95% of the rest of the people feel? Why do you have to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not doing that as a conservative Christian. And well, Heck, I can't do that. And for that matter, um, also, good luck finding the more woke company to work for. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> guess true. you can go to Ben & Jerry's. You, you can maybe. go to Ben & Jerry's. Yeah, I that's guess you could go work on AOC's yeah. campaign staff. Um, yeah. but your, your options are going to be limited. I, I just don't understand why it's not enough. Like, why couldn't Disney just, just say, no, like we, we understand and we, uh, we thoroughly encourage you, um, to, to exercise uh, your rights outside of company time to, to support yeah. and lobby for, for that cause, for those of you that live in that state. Um, yeah. however, we're we're an entertainment company. We're not a political action committee, and this just falls. <coughs> excuse me. This this falls outside of our purview. This just isn't. This isn't what we do. Exactly. It it, it it's mind blowing to me, and I I find it so hard to believe that it's financially beneficial for Disney. And honestly, it, may, it kind of if you're conspiracy inclined, which I, I have been accused of being sometimes, you, you could kind of see the enemy afoot in this whole thing, right? Because I don't see how a traditional family values company like Disney morphs into what it is today. Uh, well, it's how without it's, some it, supernatural forces. It's, at play, it's but, how do you eat an elephant, man? It's all, it's all like, yeah, you know, you, I mean, absolutely. It, it's, and it's it, that, it's that March. It's that bent toward uh, totalitarianism, yeah. you know, as we, uh, I think you pointed this out recently. We obviously, we know our rights very well, but we have our responsibilities frequently and ignorance, you know, a lot of, I, I remember seeing a PragerU video that explained it really well, and I don't remember the details or all of the all of the points that are made, but it was basically like the left does what feels right, the right does what is right, basically. Like the you know, if you want to look at empirically driven responses, that's generally the conservative response, whereas it might not always feel like the most compassionate, but it's the most proven successful route. Whereas the left, they're like Damn the torpedoes, baby. Full speed ahead. Yeah. And Oregon and Portland and that open drug market that they got going on over there is the most recent example. Oh, well, I, Everybody and their brothers said that was going to fail, and it's failing exactly how they thought it was going to fail. Our president said just, just yesterday, day before, uh, in, in a speech, um, I'm paraphrasing only slightly, um, you know, I, I don't want to hear any more of this complaining about all the spending. We're changing people's lives here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you're changing yeah bro lives. you're you're changing people and, can't afford to buy food anymore and, or pay for gas and and i'll say this um i we're where we're at right now economically um because of both sides oh there, absolutely there's been reckless spending and policy on both sides of the aisle for decades, decades now and yeah. to, and to say that if we wind up in recession, which we're likely already in, if not depression, oh, yeah. that it's all Absolutely. because of the trillions of dollars spent by the Biden administration over the last yeah. year, 18 months. 
is yeah. uh you it, could it's, you could go back to george w and patriot act and all the spending in the gwat and then yes. all the obama years and trump himself i mean, I mean come on you look that's, at that's we've been we've been deficit spending we've been adding debt we've been spending more money than we have as a country every year for i don't even know how long now i mean i know for sure the last time we had a budget surplus was under clinton yeah, it was Newt Gingrich. It was, I think it was '94. They had the first, the last balanced budget was I think in the mid '90s. And, That's how long ago it's been. And you want to see something interesting? There's really not all that many specific jobs given to the federal government by the Constitution. There's really not that right. many. Yeah. Um, there's some. Yeah. There's some very specific enumerated powers for the executive branch, for the legislative branch, and for the courts, and that's it. Um, and, but, but one of them that is specifically in there is the power of the purse is setting, exactly. a, is setting a budget. Look at the last time that the legislature in this country passed a budget, actually passed a budget. Yeah. They should all be kicked out of office. It's they're, they're, they've, it, it's, they're all derelict of duty. Always completely, completely. With, with the exception of it maybe like Rand Paul tried to present a completed budget recently so there's some trying yeah. rand's budget was yep. hey if uh, if we just cut uh six cents out of every dollar from the whole budget we can get to where we're supposed to be in about five years right but of course you can't get anybody to go along because you can't buy votes yeah. with that budget you can't print more right. money with that budget um well the other side of that too going back to what we were talking about earlier with the topic de jours right like everybody's got this pet project that the, the, the pork filled stimulus crap that they, they support. And they're like, Oh, well, yeah, I completely agree. We need to balance our budget, but uh, yeah, this $10 million for the bridge to nowhere. I really need that. Yeah. Cause that's going to get me reelected in my district. Well, I, I talked about it um, just this week. Uh, you know, like with, uh, I was texting with last week's uh, guest, uh, major Staley, because there was a, another Osprey crash uh, this past week that killed Marines. The Osprey yeah. is is an airborne vehicle that should not exist. It's an abomination. It's always been unreliable. It's cost yeah. way too many Marines' lives, and you can't yeah. kill it because so many congresspeople and senators want the jobs created by building and maintaining the stupid thing. Uh, and, and the contractor that makes contributions to their campaigns wants to keep building them. Um and so it's a bit dated now, but a movie reference for you. And I don't know if I've thrown this out there before, but it's called the Pentagon Wars. Pentagon Wars. Um, it's about basically how the Bradley fighting vehicle got created. And it's it's the same thing, but it's a bit dated now. Because yeah. you think it's, um, gosh, I want to say it's from like the late 90s, early 2000s. But it's it's a true story of all of the lobbying and all, like, it's the worst possible fighting vehicle you could throw at it. And we've made it work. And I know from having ridden in one, driven in one, I'm a master track driver for, for God's sake. And, uh, it's, it's a death machine. It's yeah. a rolling death machine. If we had taken that up against a serious army, they would have been getting destroyed in droves. Well, and that's like, you know, the joke is a, a camel is a horse designed by committee, right? It's so you, you, you hear something like the Bradley called a camel and that's, that's the, the, the reference, but you know, yeah. uh, you know, the point I, I want to go back to it cause it's important. Um, yes, you, you know, did the did the pandemic and pandemic spending and we can argue rather like the shutdown i think at this point we understand what was a mistake that you know that yeah. that wasn't without consequence that you can't just pause an entire country for an indefinite amount of time and have no economic impact so uh the pandemic spending and then the issues that that created with with supply chain and everything else um 
those were the straw that broke the camel's back, but that wasn't the pile of hay, right? If we weren't right. already $30 trillion in debt and counting in this Absolutely. country, we would have been in a better economic position to weather that storm. If we hadn't already right. so greatly devalued uh, our money, if it wasn't so fiat, if it wasn't so disconnected yeah. from anything of any real value, uh, we wouldn't be in this position. If, if Congress hadn't abdicated its authority to coin money to the Federal Reserve, which is neither federal nor a reserve where they could just print <laughs> yeah. money willy-nilly where they can where they can make up these interest rate numbers out of thin air rather than the market yeah. fairly determining those things then we could have better weathered these things so to say oh uh you know as i watched our press secretary do from from yesterday oh the gas prices and the inflation are because of the unprecedented pandemic uh, the once in a lifetime pandemic and the war that putin started Okay, well, those things right. might have tipped things over the edge, though uh, if you should look at all the numbers before Putin started that war because they were already headed in the wrong direction and had nothing to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but we would have been in a better position to weather all of those challenges right. if you fools hadn't spent recklessly for decades, left and right, exactly. Democrat and Republican. Both. And you look both, at both. I mean, it's it's the time split pretty much evenly between the big parties being in, in power. Well, look right? at, it's both sides of the aisle. You, you don't even have to go all the way back to Bush, though. There was a period with Bush where Republicans held the White House. They held both houses of the legislature. There was yeah. a, there was a period under right. President Trump. Republicans held the, the executive branch, both houses of the legislature. There was no ballot balanced budget. No, there was no surplus. There, there was no there were no cuts in spending. Where are the, right. where are the fiscal conservatives? Yeah, where, well, they're not the party of that anymore. <laughs> so it's like, oh, they're they're deficit hawks until they're in power, and then they want to stay there, right. and they'd like to buy that power with my money. Exactly. And when they run out of my yeah. money, they go ahead and print more. And so, all that. To yeah, I feel like we need to change the subject before you get the FBI knocking on your door. There, Kale, talking about seditious sedition charges. <laughs> <laughs> where are you going with this, big dog? Um, uh, where I'm going with this is to the ballot box, just like everybody else should. Exactly. Um, that, exactly. that's where, you know, you want your, I don't you, know those guys that got set up for governor Whitmer might just, uh, they might've been talking the same way you were <laughs> until the FBI put them in a spot. Well, that's, that's, what's funny is, you know, the talk of, Oh, I'm afraid we're headed for a civil war. Or we need a national divorce or like any talk of, of any kind of like violent overthrow of the government is ridiculous. We've got the, yeah. the best system in the world designed to lawfully yeah, exactly. overthrow the government. Use it. You you can overthrow the government legally, peacefully, yeah. every two years. You can replace the entire House every two years. You can replace yep. a third of the Senate every two years. You can have a exactly. whole new government every two years. And the problem yeah. the problem is everybody goes, we need to get rid of all those idiots in Washington, except for mine. Mine's mine's good. Yeah, mine's a good one. They're yeah. really fighting for us. Boy. Good joke. You know, and so we, and what you don't want to end up with is a situation like we see with the Republican Star Wars. You're losing me there. What do you mean? I'm just segueing into another topic, like the professional that I am, and, and you're not, you're not even recognizing. <laughs> I you were like it. referencing like uh, Reagan's Star Wars program or something. No, like I don't know where you're going no, with that. Actual, actual Star Wars. <laughs> so uh, you are, of course, uh, the podcast resident Star Wars aficionado, fanboy, uh, expert. Yes. And uh, while we're never all that far from hot Star Wars news, we're actually coming up 
Uh, we're about a week away from the final episode of what was a highly anticipated miniseries in uh, in Obi Wan. Yeah. Have you been watching? I have. I have. I am caught up. I am all caught up. And I was. Uh, I know there's been some kind of mixed review. Uh, spoiler alert! I think fair to yeah, say. Spoiler, have you seen spo- five? Yeah. If if it's coming up yeah. on the Solid Seven yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah, we're whatever. gonna spoil it. Yeah. And honestly, like by the time you listen to it, episode five has been out for like a week, a week already. I think they're about. So, you know what? If if it's a spoiler yeah. for you, big whoop, you're not a big enough fan to have watched well, it. When it first and here's, came here's what's funny, which I think made this a very challenging series to begin with. And and I'll say right off the bat, as a layman, as the as the guy who doesn't read the Star Wars books, can't name all the systems, all the ships, all the all the everything that I've enjoyed the series. Now, part of that is just too, me being such a fan of Ewan McGregor, and I feel like he's knocked it out of the park. Um, but yeah, I will say I he's doing a really good job. You can only spoil this series so much because I can tell you Obi-Wan lives, and I've spoiled nothing. I can tell you <laughs> Darth right. Vader lives. I've spoiled nothing. Luke, Leia, right. they live. I've spoiled nothing. Yeah, I didn't share any information well, you know, that hasn't been out since 78. You, you you really hit the nail on the head in that is that the people who are having issue with this and uh and truth be told i i, I was kind of one of those people when the grand inquisitor was killed off supposedly air quotes um spoilers for episode five but uh you know when he was killed off by reva in like episode one or two i was like what the heck that just rendered like the the journey of kane and jairus and rebels like meaningless if he's already dead then they've retconned the whole thing um but at the end of the day, like you can only change so much, right? Like yes. you, you can't, you're almost boxed in. Like you're going to have to have these little, these little moments where, wait a minute. If, if Obi-Wan says this line like this, then that means this line in a new hope doesn't work anymore. Right? Yeah. Are you doing, I don't understand it. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know what? Uh, go suck on an egg because that, that doesn't make any sense at all. What you're going to have these little moments. There's just too much content now yeah. that you can have this thing be interconnected and flawless. It's story storytelling from the seventies. Now, like, you know, 50 something years later, 40 years later, you're going to have these lines that don't line up yeah. and it's not the biggest deal in the world. Well, the only people who are going to even recognize it uh, are people who are spending far too much time on the internet with no jobs and no serious life, probably living in their mother's basement Yeah, and go away. Just go away. Now, if you want to have a, a legitimate critique about uh, maybe scenes or moments that don't quite make sense, I can get behind that. There's a scene in, I think, episode three where I thought they could have probably explained it better. And maybe they still will because we haven't seen uh, episode six. But there's this scene, right, where Darth Vader finally catches up to Obi-Wan and he's about to get his revenge, burns him in this little flame box and whatnot. And then, uh, uh, gosh, I don't even remember her character's name. Uh, she was on Game of Thrones. Anyway, the, the, the chick who's working with the path that saved her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, um, man, she's been awesome, though. That, I mean, she's... She's really been I would, good. I just... I, Tori? Her <laughs> and, and uh, little Leia, I would say, have been the most compelling characters. Yeah. I, I say that, yeah. like... Uh, I, I do feel like Ewan McGregor is only has only gotten better in his craft. He's only a, a better Obi-Wan um, Absolutely. I think all like do you want to talk like the dude just conveys all of the pain and hurt and regret like just yes. in his eyes doesn't have to say anything like you feel all of it. So but that being a known quant- quantity as far as like something fresh and revelatory right. the little Leia and and this chick yeah have been amazing. Have have killed it and they've made they've made so you're you're obviously boxed in, 
right? By the nature of the story, because as you pointed out, obviously, you know, Obi-Wan lives. Yeah. And as do Luke and Leia. Um, you you managed to tell a story in that space that's pretty good and interesting. And so what if a couple lines don't match up or you don't really love everything about it? But yeah, I mean, I think it's been really good. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And I obviously people are going to find issue with it. It's it's the same. I, I don't want to jump on a bandwagon and call it toxic fandom, but I think it's the vocal minority yeah. of people who are just like, oh, this is garbage. And here's why. And it's like, it's guys, it's 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 not gals like let's take a breather i i can your okay yeah. turn your vast knowledge of canon off for five minutes and enjoy the show I, it's I can't it's believe after everything and after all the hype it, it's almost over already i want more yeah like they're there and it's been renewed so what was pushed oh, as a limited it, series is now i guess they're going to make a season two. Oh, fantastic like of course 100 i want i'll i'll watch as much ewan mcgregor as obi-wan as they will give me um, Absolutely, and you know, up till now we haven't. Again, spoiler alert: we haven't seen much of little Luke, but little Leia is prominent. And I've seen mm-hmm. some people complaining about the way they wrote her. Like Leia is spunky. Leia is willful. Like this, one hundred percent to me is Leia as a child, and this little girl right. kills it. Kills it. Like she. I, I have no issues with it. I think it's very well done. Well, and for this little kid, I mean, you know, we've got we've got kids. She's older than than our kids, I think. Or maybe this actor, maybe the kid is maybe about as old as your son because he he's older than than my oldest. One hundred percent holds her own on screen with these people. Like one hundred percent. Like does not get washed out by you and McGregor or anybody else uh, on, on screen. So again, I, I, I'm not indifferent to the challenges that they had. Everybody wanted to know if we're going to see Obi-Wan fight Darth spoiler alert. You do. And it's fun. It's fun ish to watch. It's not my favorite right. version of, of Obi-Wan. Um, well, that's the thing is it's the, it's the accurate reflection of it. And this yeah. is what I think people are missing They're they're I think they're, they want to see the Obi-Wan that leaves Mustafar at the end of episode three. You know, they want to see this, still you know jedi master obi-wan and they're they're feeling to failing to realize or reconcile that this man just spent 10 years subsistence living in the desert suffering the greatest tragedy and humiliation and defeat that he possibly could yeah and the jedi are not emotionalists they just practice basically extreme stoicism he still feels yeah he just tries to you know control that feeling and it's perfectly reasonable to think that he has He's a broken man at this point. And when you see him fight Darth Vader, he hasn't used a lightsaber in 10 years. Yeah. And anybody who has practiced firearms at one point, I can tell you by me personally, I was much better shooter five, seven, 10 years ago because I shot a heck of a lot more. If I hadn't shot in 10 years, I'm sure I would still be able to use said weapon, but I don't know that it would yeah. be very good. And Obi Wan obviously hadn't wielded a lightsaber in ten years, so I mean, come on. Well, of course, he's going to be bad with it. And well, and that said, though, like to me, it's still it's it's not near as satisfying as like I remember being in the theater and Yoda drawing his well, he didn't draw his lightsaber, which was one of the dopest moves of all time. <laughs> opening up his cloak, pulling his lightsaber off his belt with the Force, and mm-hmm. just going like evil Kermit the Frog on Dooku, and what a moment that was. Because you had no right. idea how that was going to go. So is it cool to see Obi-Wan fight Anakin, fight Darth again? Yes. But there's zero drama in it. 
Right. Because I'm not concerned with is either one of them walking away from this. I know nobody's losing a limb. Nobody's even getting maimed. Like it's right. It's going to be kind of interesting to watch. You do get to see some more in this series of which they they've they've done better in in more recent movies. You do get to see just what a bad bad man Darth Vader oh, was. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. Dude, when he just rips that transport five. ship apart, oh my gosh, yeah. man! Yeah, yeah, um, you get you get to see like what's what's uh what makes him the menace that he is, and they did a phenomenal job doing that in the comic books and in the books before them. Um, but you haven't seen it a lot on screen. Yeah, and I, I you look back to that moment in Rogue One, I think, and that was the first time yes that we really saw it in a modern movie making. You know, when he just he's boarding that the. Like the Tana Four, or whatever the the rebel ship, yeah, and just laying people out. Yeah, that's when you really, yeah, that's the first time you really understand why is everyone so afraid of, yeah. of this individual. And you know what? There there's been some moments in this series too where they really they demonstrate the menace of his character. Right when he's walking through, it's Episode Three again, but he's walking through this mining town. Everybody's cowering, and he's just like he's dispatching people like left and right, like like yeah. force breaking their neck, like yeah. Eh. But, You're going to show me where these people are. But you also see, and I think this is where some of the value in this series is, where, no, you can't create a ton of drama here. Because um, you know you know for sure, at least, who's who's making it out of this alive. Um, right. But it does inform the characters. It does answer some questions you've maybe wondered about. Like, it, it did yeah. maybe <clears throat> create these insecurities and these uncertainties. Uh, in Obi-Wan, but it's also like the Anakin storyline. The reason Anakin was, was able to be turned right. were, were because of is his insecurities because of his self doubt, yeah. right. Open that window. Yep. Darth Vader still has those same insecurities and doubt. And yeah. so they, they give you that image all this time later, even this diminished Obi-Wan is in his freaking head, like in oh, his yeah. head. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so that that was interesting to to see, and and really, I'll say, the uh, the the better lightsaber battle that you see in this series, at least thus far, is not the one that you're seeing in real time in the timeline. Oh yeah, it's the flashback scene. It's the flashback yeah, absolutely. scene. Absolutely, yeah, the flashback scene that is is basically the strategician version of Obi Wan Kenobi correctly predicting how Anakin's going to respond at present time. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's just I. I've been a fan of the show so far. And as you said, I will absolutely continue to watch it 100%. And I think anybody who's, who's really uh, giving it a hard time, if that's unsatisfied by it, they're either judging it unfairly or they're looking at it through the lens of like just someone who can't be satisfied. Yeah. Yep. I feel it. Uh, they, they announced a bunch more content coming. Anything you're particularly oh, yeah. excited about? Some of it I'm actually really excited. I, I didn't particularly care for the character during Rogue One, but I'm actually really excited for the Andor show. Yeah. Um, only because not not I, Rogue One is a phenomenal movie because it's the first war movie that take place takes place in Star Wars. Yeah. His character just I don't know. I didn't really I wasn't like love it. Uh, amazing character or whatever. But the the prospect of returning to that environment where you're running like a James Bondy war movie. That's it, really interesting to me. And yeah. I really hope that's what it is. Yeah. I think it's got potential. Know? And I, so I know they're doing a, a rogue squadron, uh, either movie or show. And I know that's going to be really good if they do it right. Um, of course, rogue squadron being the, 
the the rebel you know crack group of ace pilots that are taking down the empire yeah and uh there's a ton of books written written i think there was like 15 of those books back in the day i think which disney's been pretty smart about mine in the canon i think we all got a little spoiled um by the mandalorian and that yeah it 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 was like they nailed it right from the jump which is not that which is not the mo right um yeah episode four not the best movie of the original trilogy right they tend to find their footing after the start not that the first thing's bad um so like having um you know watch through clone wars I, I, I didn't like Bad Batch as much as I liked Clone Wars, but I didn't like the first season Agreed. of Clone Wars as much as the last season of Clone Wars. So I'm excited Absolutely. to see if they find their footing with Bad Batch. I'm excited yeah. for Ahsoka as long as they can fight the strong urge to t- turn it into half a season of The Mandalorian. Oh, see, I think I don't know what they're going to do. I think you're going to go a different direction with that. But uh, yeah, well, dude, we'll see. We'll see. Because that's the thing is, you know, I, one of my favorite characters, being the OG fanboy that I am, right, uh, was Boba Fett. Yeah. And I, they did such a bad job on Book of Boba Fett. They just did not do a good job I with didn't, that, I thought. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It just... I didn't hate it either. But it was, man, but, it was half a season of Mandalorian. It, but it was half a season of Mandalorian. But at the same time, those are some of the better episodes. And I thought the show <laughs> got a lot better once Mandalorian yeah. got involved in the show. But I think they'll find their footing. Um, I just, I really hope they do, man. I really hope they do. Because uh, Star Wars, you know, and I, I, I can, I've been trusting the process. Dave Filoni, John Favreau, they're, they're heavily involved with everything. And, and Bryce Dallas Howard is proving to be a phenomenal fan of Star Wars and a good producer director. So I'm really excited with the direction they're going. You know, uh, I just, I've got high hopes. I just really hope that the Disney woke, wokesters kind of keep their dirty paws off of it and they don't try to interject. Uh, too many political topics yeah. in the in the show. Like, hey, just keep it keep it escapism. You know, we got to deal with real life all the time. Can yeah. we just escape to a galaxy far, far away? I think they fought that urge so far. It's been. I was just talking to uh, it Eric, uh, who, who's you know a good buddy of mine and, and one of our Patreon supporters today. We're both big Star Trek fans. Grew up, you know. I, I you know grew up a, a next generation guy and have, have always enjoyed. And man, the these all the new shows, Paramounts, just just ruined them. Just just ruined it's them. So it's nothing. And you know, you see it coming. Yeah. I watched. I finished the second season of Picard not that long ago, and I actually shouted in my living room, like, "Are you freaking oh, kidding I me?" I knew it. I saw it coming. I couldn't finish. I, I couldn't. I couldn't is. finish it. I, I I quit watching it. I, I've quit watching it was Discovery. Just so so bad. I was, was over the top. I was holding out hope for Strange New Worlds because Pike and the guy playing him, he's a fantastic captain, had all the potential in the world to be uh, among just some of the best Star Trek content that's ever been done. And they stayed yeah. pretty okay through six episodes and they just, they I just, haven't seen the most recent, but I, I'm actually there. That's well, the most palatable one. Yeah. Discovery. I just completely lost me. I'm not even interested in watching the latest season. Yeah. The, well, the, um, uh, the, the episode seven of, uh, I'm going to call it now strange new worlds will likely be the last you watch of it. So really, yeah, now just, why do you say that? You got some inside baseball? On oh that? no, it's that's that's episode seven. It's the most recent one, and and they just couldn't they couldn't fight their their inner urge to to preach and proselytize and, and propagandize, and uh, so I, I'm done once again. And so I, I need Star Wars. Ah, I need Star Wars to hold out for me. It's such a shame, man. Pike's an awesome captain. I was a big fan. It really is yep. because even in even with the whole like January six footage in episode one, I'm like I don't hate it. I mean they're just trying to make it relevant, and it segues into the Star Trek 
timeline of events. So I get it. But it had thus far stayed fairly free of that stuff. And and that's the thing of it, man. I Going back to being intellectually honest, right? When the politics are like in your corner, you know, it's easy to get behind them. Yes. Because I think Winter Soldier, Captain America's Winter Soldier is probably my favorite Captain America movie of, of all of them. And uh, that's when you start seeing the libertarian cap come out, right? And I really am a fan of that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't, I don't need it to be that. Civil War was likewise an entertaining film, and it, there wasn't any of that involved in that. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just keep it, keep it free, keep it just entertainment. Yeah. Oh, don't beat us over the head again, with a message. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Don't be ham-fisted with it. Um, and that's that's exactly what is ham-fisted, right? Yeah. If, 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 if we always, I feel. Like we're living in like Leviathan. And, and I'll give you, you I'll know, give you a force fed. I'll give you a perfect propaganda. example is um, I didn't feel like modern family was super preachy about homosexuality, about homosexuals adopting. It was just part of the storyline. And it was a realistic part of the storyline that you would have this gay couple as part of this family who had adopted a daughter. But I just didn't feel like they ever hammered you over the head with it. Right. And it, I, I, I can't speak to that specific example. I never watched that show, but um, it's just yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's there's it, a way that you can introduce it without yeah. it being obnoxious. When it feels forced and over the top, and just exactly. uh, yeah, that's that's when it's just ugh. yeah. So, but uh, well, dude, I, I gotta say, man, I am I am melting on my back porch. That's that's what you, that's what you get <laughs> for we, for not we'll being this plane, in maybe. studio. Well, uh, let's do this because I I actually got a, a text mid show here and got tapped to uh, to run back and pick the kids up, so I need to tap out too. But uh, you like to leave the people with something we we had planned to maybe to talk a little bit about uh, you know uh, leaders being readers, and we certainly did uh, plenty of uh, plenty of time on leadership here. But uh, give give the people something to read. What what you reading? What's what's interesting right now? Okay. Um... Oh gosh, what what am I reading right now? I have. Or, uh, uh, what have you read that you love? Throw throw out uh, what you're what you're oh, feeling right give, now. I or... can give you a bunch of stuff. I actually had quite a bit to talk. I dude, I could probably talk twenty or thirty minutes on this topic alone. Well, so maybe it's hey, best to reschedule. But let's do this. Let's do, um, let's do this. This is the professional podcaster in me. Uh, let's do a, a quick, uh, fun, you know, whatever book recommendation. Give one quick hit in your take. But then uh, I know you're you've got a lot of time tomorrow. Let's do another quick call tomorrow, and we'll do uh, fifteen twenty minutes for Patreon supporters. Okay. And uh, we'll- um, yeah. All right. Uh, so a series that I really like um, is called Galaxy's Edge. It is a sci-fi series. It has so far been a phenomenal war take, heavily influenced by Star Wars, almost fan fiction at times. Um, and they just celebrated their five-year anniversary, and we're giving away book one, I think, on Amazon, like, earlier last week. You can get it for, like, $1.99. It's called Legionnaire. Wow. And it is amazing. It is so good. I, I It's actually, I'm a Patreon supporter of only two things. My man, Kale Matthews here. Oh, I, I return a favor. I you, just gave uh, no, my thing. name's my name's well out there. Everybody knows who I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah I am uh, zip code um, renowned. And then, uh, and then these these folks at Galaxy's Edge. Um, I'm a big fan of that. It's just it's just it's fun, entertaining reading. Yeah. And it's very it's it's Warsy, Star Wars esque, and it's very it's like it it's. Military sci-fi, I think, is the category that it falls into. So it's very military-heavy, which I always appreciate. But it's almost like 
the very first couple books are as if you are reading a story from the from the clone troopers perspective though they're not clones yeah. they're just future military people gotcha. types fighting so I, I really enjoyed that and i gotta say so far um you know there's there's so many other things out there it really is uh gates of fire by stephen pressfield is probably my favorite book of all, oh, time. all kinds but, of stephen pressfield is good all kinds of stephen pressfield yeah, yeah. war of art and yeah yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff. Stephen Pressfield's is well, phenomenal. There you right? go, folks. Some uh, some fun summer reads. We'll we'll talk some books some more for for our Patreon supporters. And hey, if you'd like to hop in on that conversation, visit the podcast website solid seven podcastcom solid the number seven podcast.com. You can find our latest episodes. You can find any upcoming events we've got going on. Uh, Mike redacted and I, and some of the, uh, the other listeners are actually going to be doing a, a go Ruck basic here in Orlando in October. We'd love mm-hmm. to have you come out and join us for that. I think I, I put that link uh, for that on there. Some good causes to support, but you can also find all of our social media uh, and a link to uh, find us on Patreon and uh, become a supporter, get some of that bonus content, get yourself a better than average coffee mug. Uh, if you become a $10 a month supporter and uh, just help make the world a, a better place. Help put the, the good vibes of the Sonsman podcast out there. Of course, if you uh, can't, won't, don't want to do any of that, then you can have always, of course, just tell a friend, follow us on social media, subscribe, share, give us a little five-star rating, a thumbs up. Every little bit helps. And of course, uh, you know, visit our, uh, our affiliates and sponsors and uh, show them some love. And uh, otherwise, Mike, appreciate you coming on as always, buddy. And uh, yeah, my man, listeners, we'll we'll catch you on the next one. We're out.